Blog Talk Radio. It's the Gridiron Studs Show and the promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Talamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts, Amo and Chad with your breakfast toast. Episode 9. Season 8. Amal, is this season number 4? Of what? The show or the... The show? Nah, this is like a... Geez, I'm losing track. I want to say season number 5 we might be up to, buddy. (laughs) Well, we can research that. Nevertheless, we've enjoyed bringing you football talk here for however many years it has been. And we're back at it again here on... It's the 5th season. I'm the CPA in the group. It's the 5th season. We'll just run with that, my friend. See, uh, we'll and, and see if indeed you are right. But here I am. I'm in my new studio, so things sound a little funny. I haven't got myself completely set up yet. You may hear a little bit of an echo, but working on that. And just a, a quick programming announcement: the Gridiron Stud Show is going to move to a daily affair starting next week. So uh, I'm going to be on Monday through Friday. Amos will be on with me on Monday and Friday. But moving this to a daily thing here. And it's a great Iron Stead show, so uh, set the dial on your uh, internet radio for the Great Iron Stead show <laughs> daily on Blog Talk Radio. Nevertheless, plenty to get to. There was an amazing NFL game last night, Abel. The Jaguars and the Titans. I mean, I'm sure you cast everything aside to watch that football game, correct? Yeah, no. And furthermore, that game is a classic example of conversations we have had on this show and why the fantasy geek will never understand it. All you need to do is look at that game and pull up the box score and take a look at Jacksonville quarterback Blake Bortles' final line, which, you know, when you pull it up, he goes 33 or 54, throws for 337, three touchdowns, no picks, and your average fantasy geek is excited, and even your fan thinks, wow, what a, what a good game. Blake Bortles stunk last night. The score was 27-0 at the half, and I think at halftime he had about 30 yards passing. Okay? There is a classic example of, of the term hollow statistics last night. Well, you know, in a fantasy world, that's a great night. So they can give a damn about whatever you're talking about. Oh, yeah, exactly. Why, why would anyone care about what I'm talking about, which is winning a football game? You're right. I agree. I agree. Yeah, great I mean, night, Blake. Congratulations. Exciting. That's besides the point in this day and, and this day and age. So, um, you know, we're we're at the point now where you have porn stars giving you fantasy uh, advice. That's where this game is, Emil, and it, you know, segues really good into a topic that we want to talk about here, and that is um, the decline in ratings. And there's no denying it now. Everyone's talking about it. Um, it's you know making headlines whether you know people want that to happen or not. But there is a decline in ratings, of course. It is an election year, so um, and a, a rather unusual election year, so we can't discount that that has something to do with it, Amo. But do you think it goes beyond the fact of the? Uh, oh the fact? no, that's 
That, the election year thing to me is is a, a very small component of this. Uh, and matter of fact, it sounds like just a straight up excuse. Let's let's go back to uh, you know deductive reasoning from back in school. The NFL's been around a long, long time. It's been televised, you know, as a primary you know event for us as a country since the you know the '60s is when it took off. So we have we have over 50 years here of of good information. There's been plenty of elections during the course of, of you know, the NFL, you, you know, continuum. And 2008 was a historic election. We, we, the country elected its first black president. It, the, 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 the people voting, it set a record that year, okay? My point is there's nothing different happening here other than the ratings are down. You can say some of it, sure. I mean, if you want to say a game or two when they had a debate, I'll buy that. But overall, they're down. And we were ahead of the curve here years ago on the gridiron side. We warned the NFL. Of course, they don't listen because they don't listen to us. They don't know we exist. We told the commissioner, listen, this is entertainment, Mr. Commissioner. And you're, you're pulling in people that are not in your core audience. And that's fine if you can pull them in in a normal manner. But if you've got to alter your game and the way you do business to pull them in, remember, someday they're going to leave because they're going to get bored because they're not really football fans. Um, and I think fact, that's so. I think they've used it up for uh, for the little entertainment that they wanted out of it. But then now um, they've you know bored, gotten what they wanted out of it, and they're heading back. I'm just there's been a listen. You're you're a numbers guy. Has there been a steady decline, or does it seem like things just fell right off the cliff here? They fell off a cliff. You didn't hear declines last year. There was no talk of decline last year. There's a few things in play. Now, I know you, your feeling on him is different, okay? And that's okay, but I think generally you got to take a step back. Your average American watching football does not approve of Colin Kaepernick's protest, okay? Now, you can say he opened eyes. That's a debate for a different day. That's fine. But your average person just sees it as an affront against a country they love and, you know, against a lot of things, including the service members. And even though he says it's not, that's a debate that, you know, we don't have to have. My point is, that's part, I think, of your ratings decline. You've got people who maybe they're not hardcore NFL fans. They like football. They just say, screw it, I'll watch college. That's a little component. The debates, the presidential election, that's a component. I'll give you that, and it may be a little bit. Let me stop you. You've had college players taking me. You're right. 100%. You you have so had that happen. No, you know, you're right. I'm saying these are all small components. I'm going back to my, my larger discussion here. I think the NFL, generally speaking, has turned its game into a little bit of uh, a, you know, a social issue type thing. If you watch, if you watch the ESPN uh, sports centers, you know, they, they seem to want to cover, as you, you've mentioned, the TMZ stuff. They want to cover stories about guys outside the game. And we've always had that to some degree, but it's pervasive right now. I mean, when you watch NFL stuff on NFL uh, Network, on, on ESPN, there's a lot of stuff they're talking about that's way outside the game. They want to push social issues. Um, and that could be whatever, you know, homosexuality, uh, women coaching, all that stuff. They want to push those issues. And it doesn't matter whether you agree, you know, like by and large, we're on the air, but I mean, I don't have any, I don't have any problem with people can live whatever life they want to live as long as they don't bother, as long as they don't break the law or bother me. I don't really care. So I'm like one of those libertarian types. But when I turn on an NFL game, 
I don't want to be bombarded with social issues. I go as an escape from real life. I want to watch football. And I think that some of this has basically pushed people away from their sport, and they don't want to acknowledge it. You used a great analogy a couple a couple of years ago on this subject. You said, you know, when you're the only restaurant in town and your food sucks, you're still filled on Friday night because there's nothing else for people to do. Then all of a sudden, someone opens one up across the street, and the food's better than yours. Matter of fact, it's pretty damn good. It doesn't happen gradually. You go in one Friday night, there's nobody in your restaurant anymore. And you say, what the hell happened here? Yeah. Hey, listen, Amal, I'm a, I, I, quite frankly, here's what I think. I think people trying to push this uh, agenda of the ratings are down, and I'm not, this is not you. I'm just saying there's, there's a, a faction out there that's trying to push that. That, uh, and I, you know, if you go and Google NFL ratings, you're going to see a number of articles trying to push that narrative. NFL ratings down due to national anthem protest. That's simply people trying to push their agenda. That's all I think that is. Oh, no, absolutely. No, listen, there's all kinds of, Chad, you're 100% right. There's all kinds of agendas being pushed here, and and I'm agreeing with you. I think they're all very small components. I think the real reason is a big, a broader one, which, and I'm not saying because we we talked about it a few years ago. I'm saying because I really, truly in my heart believe it's a little bit of a wave movement. And you, you said something the other day on Facebook, I believe, or Twitter. Maybe it's just that the NFL for the last decade has seen this spike in ratings that was false because they went after this crowd, and the crowd just went back to TMZ and Bravo. So in the end, while ratings are down, they're being measured against a, a, a curve that was unsustainable. I mean, I think if we look at where they're at today versus where they were 15 years ago, my guess would be if I went and did that research, more people are watching the NFL today than 15 years ago. So if you wow. eliminate the fake fans – it's probably still up from where it was before they went after the, the Bravo crowd, the TMZ crowd. Yeah, um, I believe that, definitely believe that. I think a lot of part of it, too, is uh, what we saw last night. We're oversaturated with football now. I remember being a kid. Um, I couldn't wait for Monday night football. I mean, you just you had it all on Sunday. There was no Thursday night game. There was no Sunday night game. By 7 p.m. or 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on a Sunday – it, that was it. Football was gone. There was no Sunday night game. There was nothing. So you had a little bit of a, um, you know, a little bit of a hangover. Like, just give me one more game. And then the Monday night game was reserved for marquee teams, marquee matchups. So you were sitting there waiting for that. Now you get a Sunday night game. You get a Monday night game. Not always the two best, you know, uh, your combatants. Then on Thursday, you get something like what you had last night. And then on top of that, they try to trick you into watching those games by putting these guys in fuddy-duddy uniforms. That strikes at the core of the NFL football fan. Why do I have to be tricked into watching football? Why are you putting them in these BS uniforms just to trick me into watching Jacksonville versus Tennessee? Um, well, you know, you know, a lot of a lot of life is a lot of life in in our daily lives can be applied to all different things, you know, obviously. And I think the NFL needs to take a step back and look, look at the old sometimes less is more you know it's kind of like you know use an analogy whether whatever sex you are whatever you like but i'm going to say the girl you're trying to get since i'm a guy um you know the girl the girl who's very hard to chase down always seems to have a lot of guys chasing her you know <laughs> you know what i'm trying to say um right and in this case they've made it so easy that there's a certain point where 
you know, you, you have so much football, and it's not just so much football. You've got bad football. It's one thing yeah, if you tell me last we night. Prostituted the game. We prostituted the game out there. And there was, I believe, even talks of playing games on other nights. Um, you know, then once it even one point considered Friday night games. So um, they well, need to relax. Chad, here's where you can tell. Here's where you can tell, though, that that Thursday night game, that deep down in their heart, in my opinion, the NFL knows what they're doing and they know they're prostituting the game. How many Thursday night games have you turned on and over the years now, since they've been doing it three or four or five years, and seen the Cowboys play the Eagles or seen the Seahawks play the, the Cardinals? Well, I, I, I know what they're doing, Emil. They're trying to shove these BS matchups at you and force you to watch them some kind of way, solo them, so you can, you know, take them in where otherwise on a Sunday you're not watching it. You, you know, you're going to go to your other options. It's 100%. Not- they, know, they know nobody – that's a friends and family game they put on last night. On a Sunday when you have the ticket or the red zone, you know, when the red zone highlights come up for the Jacksonville-Tennessee game, you're going to take a pee and grab a beer. Nobody cares about the game. I get that. But here's the problem that they, they're not picking up on. I think they, they believe they're a lot smarter than us, and I guess – they do have a ten or twelve billion dollar enterprise. Maybe in some ways they are, but I think they're missing something that the fan gets. When when people see games like that, like last night, they in their mind attribute that to the whole league. Okay, this is the crap I'm going to be watching on Sunday too. So you're putting out your your worst product in an individual showcase. So a, a guy who loves all kinds of football. He says to himself, hey, you know what, I'll, I'll watch college Saturday, and then if the wife wants me to paint the bedroom, I'll do that on Sunday because this is the crap the NFL puts out. When really, on Sundays, there's a lot of good games. The problem is some of these Monday and, and Thursday games this year have been absolutely awful. Most Thursday games are awful, and, and, and by and large, a lot of the Monday nights have been as well. Yeah, um, diminishing the product. I mean, even if, if people don't watch it, they just breathe by, and then it kind of – you know, makes the NFL a little bit of a joke. As I fly through here, look, I don't think I've watched a Thursday night game. I didn't watch last night. I didn't watch Beers Packers. Uh, I peeked a little bit at the Chargers Broncos, so that was a decent matchup. Cardinals 49ers didn't watch. Uh, Bengals Dolphins and the Dolphins are the local team. I didn't watch that. Um, Texans Patriots didn't really care for that. Jets and Bills, you know, I did watch that game. I did watch it. Um, Panthers and Broncos. Uh, that was a Sunday night game, I believe. Or was that a Thursday night? Did they kick it off? On uh, I don't remember. All that. I think that was a Thursday. I, I'm going to tell you one thing, Chad. If they want to continue the Thursday night games, this is an idea, and it's not revolutionary, but I think they need to really take a look at it. If you want two teams to play on a Thursday night, you've got to arrange your schedule throughout the year to make sure they're coming off a bye week. That, to me, that's the only way to do it. In other words, if you if you want us to have a whole schedule of Thursday night games, make sure both teams that you have in every Thursday night game are coming off a bye week and they've had 10 days to get ready for the game because at least then you're going to get some decent game prep and improve the matchup itself. And then maybe if, if you do want to at least prostitute the product, you're putting out a $500 a night call girl to use the analogy, okay? Because at the end of the yeah. day um, – if what they're doing now, asking guys who just played on Sunday to play another game on Thursday in what is just a brutal sport for your body, not to mention the preparation that goes into a game plan, you're just not going to get a good product. I mean, we yeah, had one on last year. Just going to say, F it. 
You know, it's like what you see in the NBA when you got back-to-back uh, games where you got a third road game in four nights. You know, one of those games get tanked. And while, you know, I understand it's a 16-game season, for uh, some of these guys or a team like, a, like the Jaguars that, you know, know they're not going anywhere, it's not going to give you a good effort at all and know it. So, you know, we don't need to see – we don't. they don't need to put games like that out there. And I don't even know why they have the Thursday games. They know the players don't want it. The fans have said they don't want it. So, what are you doing it for? So, uh, I mean um, – Well, I this goes into it. This goes into another conversation, Chad. You, you've talked about this. I've talked about this. If you look throughout both of the major football leagues, and I, I call college a major football league, of course – a lot of the stuff they say is just lip service to player safety. When you really look at the actions, um, the lip service part is what's going to keep them from hopefully getting sued. But the mm-hmm. actions, in other words, the Thursday game is is so counterintuitive for anybody worried about player safety. Uh, I mean, you got guys going out there on short rest playing this brutal game. It's 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 terrible for player safety. You could look at college football. They talked about it last night when I was watching the Cal-USC game. Cal ran 118 plays a couple weeks ago, I think, against Oregon. You cannot ask a 20-year-old kid to, to play 118 snaps. And even if he's playing 70% of them, he's playing well over 80 snaps. That, that's crazy. But, again, are they really concerned, these guys that run these sports, with player safety, or is it just, hey, we really don't care as long as it looks good. Yeah. Um, listen, a lot for the NFL to consider. I'm sure they're up there in the NFL offices trying to wrap their minds around uh, what's going on with the ratings. And you know what? They're going to start to get some answers uh, after this election that everyone wants to get behind them takes place. So we'll start to really see. We'll get to uncover what's what. We'll get a lot more answers. We can speculate all we want, uh, and I'm sure people will continue to do so. But when election night passes, um, we're going to get a lot of truths thrown our way with, uh, with regard to the NFL ratings. All right, we've got plenty to get to on the show today. Uh, we've got to do our college football previews and predictions, NFL previews and predictions. And don't forget about the fantasy football focus coming up later on in the show, sponsored by FanDuel. Got to talk a little bit of high school football, as I will in the second hour, as well as the big three in the state of Florida, University of Miami, Florida, and Florida State, some big games coming up for all three this weekend, a really big football weekend for the big three in the state of Florida. So we got all those things to get to. If you want to join us on the show today, the number to call is 347-633-9365, 347-633-9365. Uh, you can always reach us on Twitter, and that is at Gridiron Studs, at Gridiron Studs, with your questions and comments. We'll be more than happy to take them there. We're going to jump into a break. When we get back, college football is up next on the Gridiron Studs show. Stay with us. Wicked, 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 wicked. tones, you know. What? Metro Bullet wants some more, nigga. Sure, summer's gone, winter's here. But that doesn't mean everyone's putting their T-shirts away. Whether it's the company recreational basketball team, the youth soccer league for the kids, or the Halloween party your buddy throws every year, T-shirts are as much a part of the American culture as Tom Brady deflating footballs. Screen-printed T-shirts are costly when done for small groups. They're limited in color unless you want to pay even higher prices. More colors, more costly. The answer? 
Do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron. Whether it's your 7-on-7 team, your child's birthday party, or the family reunion, you can do it yourself and they'll look great. That's right, with heat transfer paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com, you can design your own logos, do the wording, whatever you want, print it on your own inkjet paper sold by t-shirtsupplies.com, and iron it on with your own hand iron. The design or pictures you put on your t-shirts are limited only by your own imagination and creativity. If you dream it up and design it, the paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com can get it onto your t-shirt. By the way, don't worry if you haven't done it before. As T-Shirt Supplies has first-rate customer service, they'll help you get the right paper for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them at T-ShirtSupplies.com. That's T-Shirt, no hyphen, supplies pearl, all one word, dot com. Or call them at 1-877-857-2737. It's 1-857-85-PAPER. T-ShirtSupplies.com. Go there now. You want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills, and in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. Just be the self self It was. Doesn't it, doesn't it just seem like time flies when you're having fun? It always flies during football season because I think we're having so much fun. Yeah, man. Unbelievable. But October 28th, we're already in the week nine of the college football season, and college football is the topic that we're going to be on right now here on the Great Iron Stud Show. We've got uh, some games to talk about coming up this weekend. Let's start a little bit with uh, last night's contest. Um, a little a very Big 12-ish. Virginia Tech and Pittsburgh. I mean, not two teams that you would think as uh, high-flying offenses, but somehow they managed to get into uh, a nice little offensive duel last night. Uh, Virginia Tech ends up being the winner, 39-36 to in the ACC battle. Um, but looking at things, Virginia Tech's quarterback threw for 406 yards. Uh, I mean, what's, what's going on here? Yeah, three guys. Get, well, um, I mean, Pitt's been having Pitt's been having defensive problems all year. I mean, if you just you know watched I watched the Pitt Penn State game earlier in the year, and if you just fly down Pitt's you know scores a uh, week before they won forty five thirty one against Virginia, not exactly an offensive juggernaut there. Thirty seven thirty four against Georgia Tech, they lost to Carolina thirty seven thirty six. They played a Big Twelve team, Oklahoma State forty five thirty eight. They're not playing much defense at the University of Pittsburgh right now. Which is odd, seeing as though they run the ball so well, 
Um, that's an odd combination, but nevertheless, Pittsburgh takes the loss in, in, in this ACC battle. Only the third loss of the season. It is their second loss in the ACC. So things are starting to get a little uh, cloudy there in the, uh, in, the, in the ACC. As you look at it now, the reason I'm jumping on this is because, you know, it involves the local team here, the University of Miami. But in that Coastal Division conference-wise, you've got North Carolina and Virginia Tech at the top. And, uh, and, then, and then Pittsburgh and Virginia sitting there with, with two losses. So that was a big loss for Pittsburgh last night. Miami and Georgia Tech kind of really out of the race here um, at one end. Well, I mean, Virginia Tech's got to be slapping themselves in the head. Losing that game a couple of weeks ago on the road to Syracuse, had they won that, they've already beaten Carolina and beat them pretty bad. They'd all but have the Coastal Division wrapped up. You know, if they had a one-game lead in the tiebreaker, that's essentially a two-game lead. Um, they pretty much have this division wrapped up had they not figured out a way to go to Syracuse and get their uh, asses handed to them. Yeah, well, looking at what lies ahead for them, they've got Duke, they've got Georgia Tech, and they, and they have Virginia. I mean, these are winnable games. So things are looking good for them, um, despite the fact that they did screw up in that game against Syracuse. But I'm with you. They could have uh, had that whole thing sewed up. So running through the top 25 games on Saturday that we need to pay attention to, you remember last year, Michigan, Michigan State, who could forget? Michigan had the game all sewed up, taking on Michigan State, and then there was the uh, punt that was it that turned into somehow a win for Michigan State. Welcome back to college football, Jim Harbaugh. But uh, something tells me the result's going to be different this year. I've actually seen some guys go out on a limb and say because it's a rivalry from a point spread uh, spread perspective, they would take the 24 and a half. I certainly wouldn't lay it on the road, but I'm going to tell you something. It would not surprise me in the least, even though Michigan State did nothing wrong last year other than embarrass Harba with his own bad special teams play there. It would not surprise me if Michigan takes it out on them because he's like you always say, talk about a competitive guy. He'll figure out a way to channel that into, hey, let's go give them an extra special beat down today. Yeah, doesn't Jim Harbaugh strike you as the kind of guy that knows the point spread? And so um, in 24 and a half, I think is, he's going to want to pass that. Clearly, Michigan, a better team than Michigan State this year, who's sitting at an amazing two and five. The Spartans I'm talking about, very uh, surprised at, you know, that number for them. Penn State, take oh. on Penn State uh, gets the big win last week. And, uh, you know, you got someone like Colin Cowherd saying, hey, you know, that's, you know, that would put the Big Ten uh, ahead of the SEC because, of you know, great win for them. Hey, you know, relax a little bit there. I get it. Ohio State, Michigan, really great doing their things. Wisconsin not really going away. But I just think Penn State, all Penn State is doing is replacing Michigan State in a year like this. Now, Penn State's at five and two. Well, can I say a few things about Penn State? Because I'm in the middle of Penn State country. I have a daughter who graduated from Penn State. And, you know, good for them beating Ohio State. You know, Ohio, I mean, I know you like them more than I do. Urban Meyer is probably the only guy that can get me to root for Alabama in a game, okay? That's just how, that's my feeling on Ohio State and their program. That's how much I like them, okay? So I'm happy Penn State won. But let's tap the brakes a little bit because for a program in my mind to be back and relevant again, I don't judge you by what you do at home in a big game against the top five team because those kind of upsets are going to happen every Saturday throughout the season in college football. It's an easy game to get your kids up for. 
I want to know what you do when you're playing the average and the bad teams, when you should spank them, okay? Penn State's a couple weeks removed from a home overtime win against a, a pretty bad Minnesota team or pretty average Minnesota team this year. Their schedule is just littered with Kent State and Temple, so and and a, a you know a six touchdown loss to Michigan somewhere in between there. So let's tap the brakes and see what they do. I don't have the guts to make a pick on Purdue this week, but I will say this: Purdue played very well last week with their interim coach. Went went to Nebraska, lost twenty seven fourteen. They played competitive all afternoon. I would not be shocked if Purdue beat Penn State this week because hey, I think Penn State's flying. See the interim coach thing. You had that with your own team, USC, last year. You know you get that, you know, couple of weeks spark, um, or you know that initial game spark with the interim coach because you bring some kind of a new message. You do new and different things on the offense and defensive side of the ball, and then pretty soon um, the message gets a little mundane, and then you know people have, have film. They catch up to what it is new that you're doing, and then you still have the football team that you had when the coach got fired. So that's why I'm anxious to see LSU play against somebody real and that's coming up. Um, and then, you know, this thing here with Purdue. So I'm, you know, kind of with you, they still scare you. And so I don't know, maybe we don't need to talk this long about a Penn State versus Purdue. No, probably not. <laughs> yeah, Louisville. Move on. yeah, Louisville trying to do their thing. They're only 33 point favorites against Virginia, tough sledding for Bronco Mendenhall in his first season with Virginia, but I'm sure when he took this job, he knew it wasn't going to be easy. Um, you know, last week they took one on the chin against North Carolina, 35-14. They've been having a little bit of a problem playing some defense lately. Can Louisville go in here and continue to just chuck people to pieces? They're, I think they're still mad maybe about the little Clemson loss. I, I think so. I think so. And I think they also understand that, you know, if, if Clemson stubs their toe somewhere along the way, you know, they, they perhaps maybe, or maybe Clemson goes undefeated and, and Louisville breaks into that party as a second ACC team. I can't believe I just said this, but hmm. you know, they played so well in that game against Clemson and came up just short. Um, if they just keep destroying people, they may end up being one of the best four teams in what's been a very odd year. I'm not sure what Mendenhall was thinking in taking the Virginia job. I'm hoping he got paid a lot of money. He's a good football coach. He was probably in a better situation for himself at Brigham Young as far as winning football games. Um, it's just going to be hard to ever make Virginia relative in this conference again, just with the, the quality of programs there, who you have, your Florida State, your Clemsons. I think Miami's going to be, you know, they're not far, I think, away from being really good again. I think if Rick stays there, they'll 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 get really good. So I'm not sure why he took the, the job. You can't question the Bronco, man. I'm sure he had a good a reason for it. Amo, quietly, quietly, while we're all sleeping, not paying attention, looking in the other direction. The West Virginia Mountaineers are undefeated and the number 10 team in the country. How the heck did that happen? They're taking on Oklahoma State on the road this weekend. It's an interesting game. Um, they've they've really impressed me with some of their defensive efforts. Actually, something that usually doesn't get said in the same sentence: West Virginia sure. and defense. But they've played some really good defensive football at home against TCU and Texas Tech, two teams that throw it all over the place. Um, really didn't put up many points against West Virginia. I'm gonna have a pick on this game later. Um, just, but I, I do. Uh, to me, this is one of the best games on the board. 
this week. It's just a very interesting matchup. And, and, you know, West Virginia, we have to start taking them seriously. I mean, they're undefeated the at biggest, this point. Well, the biggest part of this success, and well, the only, they're the only ones in the Big 12 right now interested in playing defense. Um, the only ones um, that have considered holding people under 21 points in a football game. So um, I'd be interested in hearing your pick on it. It was uh, one of the games that I thought I might make a pick on this week, and I was leaning in West Virginia's direction. I think they're going to keep things going, but we'll have to see. Another game that I thought about picking this week but backed out in the end was uh, Baylor taking on Texas. I think Texas is done. They just look like that to me. It just looks like they're just going to play this season out. They know what's going to happen. Charlie Strong's not going to be around. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if I see them go through the motions for many of their games and probably get up for one or two games here down the road, which opens the door for a Baylor team sitting at number eight. I just – Baylor is also an undefeated football team. I just – I have a hard time believing that they're number eight team in the country. But I would – Well, let me throw up a couple – let me throw a couple of caution flags here. I won't make this a pick, but a couple of caution flags. They don't build Vegas casinos that are five, six billion dollars with winners now. The line on this gives me a lot of suspicion, first of all. Uh, I look at it and I say, hmm, Baylor, three and a half. Everything you just said about Texas is completely true. Why is it only three and a half? I pull out the Baylor schedule. Northwestern State, SMU, Rice, a home win against Oklahoma State. At Iowa State, they won 45-42. Home with Kansas. They haven't played anybody yet. And my concern here is they're way overrated. And, I, you know, every once in a while, Charlie surprises us, even down there where I think he's a fish out of water. Texas will step up and play somebody really well. They beat Baylor last year. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they did it again. Yeah, uh, Baylor, b- back doing Baylor scheduling once again this season, and then they want to cry at the end of the year when things don't work out their way for them. Um, I, too, saw a couple of those things uh, that you mentioned, the scheduling. Texas is off of a loss, um, but again, I'm, you know, you know, I want to see what they, how they react. I just think Texas might be done. Maybe Baylor's one of these games they get up for one reason or the other. I want to say that there was some some shenanigans that went down in this game last year. If I don't, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, it might have been a bench clearing something that went on. There's something, but I just I, I I'm just concerned that I look at that. It's very suspicious to me. Um, I don't think. Strong's kids will quit on him. I just don't think it's a good fit there. I I think he's a good football coach. I don't think the kids will quit on him. You know, they may not have the talent or whatever. That may be the issue or the schemes, whatever you want to say. But I think they'll play hard, and I'm not really that – I'm not buying Baylor, let's put it that way. Big game in the Pac-12, Washington, all 7-0 of them, traveling to Utah, um, who's 7-1, Abel. Washington's a double-digit favorite. You got to pick on this game. I feel like you do. I don't because you know I vacillate from two schools of thought on this game. You know, you know, when we did our preseason predictions, I was very high on Washington. Matter of fact, I had them winning the Pac-12. Okay, so the side of me says stick with your gut, and and they just go in there and roll Utah. Not to mention, I watch my team play Utah and pretty much had them beat going into the fourth quarter with a freshman quarterback making his first start ever on the road. So that side of me says, hmm, it could get ugly. But then there's the other side of me that says, something about Utah, they're just a pain in the ass when you play them at Utah, and you just can't, you can't run away from them. They just keep coming back and hanging in the game. So it's very hard for me with that kind of number to go and lay it on the road with Washington. And I'm, I'm hesitant with the way Washington's playing to, to, to take Utah because – 
I don't know if there's a team right now, maybe other than Alabama, that you can say is definitely playing better football than Washington. Yeah, um, and when you look at the scores and you look at some of the teams that they play, definitely playing great football. I just think um, we may be getting a little out of hand now, making them a double-digit favorite against Utah, um, who plays very tough football, especially at home. I'm with you on that. If I was going to go anywhere in this game, I'd probably go Utah. The only thing scaring me is there are a bunch of other people saying that as well, and you know how I feel about going with the public. Northwestern versus Ohio State. Can Ohio State get back up off the canvas? Emil, I think you pretty much know that they, they are and they will. Um, what's Northwestern have for them? If I was going to lean in the direction of this game, I'd, I'd have to say Ohio State because they're faced with the position now of trying to get back into the college football playoff uh, race, and now they need to cover point spreads. Yeah, Ohio State, you know, they have a couple things going on. They can still win that division by beating Michigan at the end of the year, but you just hit the nail on the head. Uh, you know, to make up for a three-point road loss, you got to lay it on some teams that you're supposed to lay it on. Um, you, you know, four touchdowns is a lot, and Northwestern's a proud program under Fitzgerald, but I, I, I wouldn't want to – I think Northwestern may be in the, the way of a snowball running or rolling down a mountain uh, on Saturday. Yeah, um, and that's just really just the only way really to look at that. Uh, a game that I will be attending, Florida taking on Georgia in Jacksonville in the world's biggest cocktail party. Are they, play, are they playing this season? Florida yeah, and Georgia? They are in peace <laughs> playing this season, and um, it's going to go down in, in uh, Jacksonville as uh, Florida takes on Georgia. Uh, obviously, I don't have a pick on this game. I'm interested and uh, your thoughts on it as Florida takes on Georgia. I almost made the Gators a pick. The seven and a half scares me a little because of their offense, but I really, really, really see Georgia having a very difficult time in this game moving the football for several reasons. I think your son and his friends will lock down their receivers. Um, Georgia is young and struggling at the quarterback position that kind of makes your team one-dimensional. And while Georgia has some kids that can run with the football and are talented, you know, Florida's front seven is strong. And when they know it's coming, I just have a hard time seeing Georgia moving the football in this game, which, which means that if, 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 if Florida gets any kind of production from the offense and uh, the quarterback gets in rhythm as he was early in the year, this could be a slow, grinded-out, ugly game where they win like 30-7 to seven or something. I just – that's the kind of feeling I have about this game. Yeah, uh, we'll talk more about this game when I have Nick Dillatory from Gator Country on later. However, um, just some thoughts from me. I just want to see the Florida run game get cranked up there a little bit and then see what the team plays like as a whole when they really get that cranked up and going. They've had some pretty good rushing performances against Georgia in the last couple of seasons. Here's a game that I have a pick on, and it's a big one in the Big Ten, Nebraska. On the road, number 17 in the country. I don't know who saw that coming. I know you were kind of high on Nebraska. I don't think you saw them in the top 10 like this. They're traveling to take on Wisconsin, who's been hanging in there playing tough all season long. Like I said, I have a pick on this one. Do you have any thoughts on this game? I have big line suspicion on this game. Uh, I I look at Nebraska. They come in undefeated. They're playing a two-loss Wisconsin team who is – ranked only four spots behind them at 11 because their two losses were two hard-fought games against Michigan and Ohio State, two of the better teams in the country. And, you know, they're, you know depending on where you're looking, you got Nebraska anywhere from 9 to 10 points. 
against a Wisconsin team that's not exactly known for rolling up points. I see Nebraska having a very tough time. Their offensive line is not very good if you've watched some of their games. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're going to have a hard time moving the football in this game because I don't think they're going to be able to block Wisconsin. Their schedule is, at this point, littered with bad teams. They beat Oregon, who is not Oregon. That was their, their, their marquee win, 35-32. Everything else on there is the bottom half of the Big Ten and now they're stepping up in class. As the year ends, they have road games at Wisconsin, Ohio State, and Iowa. I think Nebraska may be in for a little bit of a fall. If they were stock, I'd be selling them right now. I think this game's like a 24-10, grinded-out Wisconsin win. Yeah, you know, this is like the third time already in our preview here that we've had to say that we've got a team in the top ten that hasn't really played anybody. When do those uh, committee ratings and rankings come out. I don't know that, you know, things might look a little different. After this week, I believe the the first set of rankings comes out after this weekend's games. I am a firm believer, I've said this for years, stop doing rankings, even if it's the AP, the sports writers. Stop ranking teams on, on just pure record in college. This isn't the NFL where basically – you have this homogenous league where everybody plays everybody, and if a team is 6-1, and one, as Bill Parcells used to say, you are what your record is, it's not the case in college. You can, you can manipulate your schedule out of conference. You can play the easy part of your schedule the first half of the year. Start looking at who these teams are playing. At least they did that with, with Wisconsin, putting them at number 11 despite being 5-2. and two. But I look at Penn State. They had one win last week at home, granted a great win. The rest of their schedule is littered with garbage. And now all of a sudden we're going to say they're the number 24 team in the country? Really? Well, I mean, there's all kinds of examples. Because, Amal, all that other stuff you talk about requires watching of games and some kind of research, and you know that ain't going to happen. Slide past a couple of these other games, not really worthy of us talking about. Let's slide down to Auburn on the road, the number 15 team in the country, taking on Ole Miss off of a loss against LSU. Uh, I have a pick on this game. What are your thoughts on Auburn versus Ole Miss? Originally, I was ready to not make a pick for the show, but I liked Ole Miss getting points at home in this game. But again, as I dive into the game and look at it, it's hard for me to take those points. I'll be curious what you say, because Ole Miss really has had a ton of trouble stopping the run this season. And you're going to get a heavy dose of run from a team like Auburn, who who will just run it down your throat. So um, Ole Miss is going to, in my mind, have to play out of character and feed off the home crowd to, to win this game, and that's not a position I want to be in. Go, I, I don't feel that the, the way they're playing right now warrants me taking them. So I'll be curious where you're going with this and, and your analysis. But, no, I, I would just pass on this altogether. Yeah, well, you know I like points, so we'll just have to see which way I roll on this Auburn versus Mississippi game. Um, another SEC matchup in, involves Tennessee still trying to do their uh, trying to do what they've got to do to get to that SEC championship game and for them that means they can't have a slip up. I think a little bit of a dangerous game for them here Amel as they travel to South Carolina as a two touchdown favorite in this contest. I mean maybe the wrong message has been sent to the Tennessee Volunteers here um, and they've been a team that no matter who the opponent is it could be a, a top ranked team or it could be a, you know a team that would not come anywhere close to the rankings. They seem to want to take the game down to the final minute. I don't understand how you make them a two-touchdown favorite in a game. And to be quite honestly, South Carolina looked decent on offense last week. Maybe decent. Well, I'd feel good about South Carolina. I'd feel good about them in this spot if they had any sort of offense because if you take a study of South Carolina's schedule, 
their defense has been rock solid, probably one of the better hidden gems of the SEC. When you look at what they don't do on offense and the pressure they put on their defense, I mean, 13-10, 27-14, 20-15, 17-10, 24-13, they're all games where their defense gave their team a chance to win these games. And, you know, the offense, by and large, has been missing in action. Now, they scored 34 points last week against UMass. For what that's worth, I guess it's an improvement, but it is UMass. Um, so, yeah, Tennessee's got to be careful here, but I think if they can just play disciplined, conservative football, which may not be in their repertoire, I think they can grind out a win here because I just don't think South Carolina can do enough things offensively. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll have to see. I, I, South Carolina broke in a new quarterback last week, albeit a freshman, but I happened to watch the game, and the kid looked pretty good, and the offense looked pretty good. So there isn't much of a book there for Tennessee on this kid, and it could cause, you know, some problems. I mean, I just feel like too, Tennessee may not be fully focused on their opponent each week. They've got one eye on the scoreboard every week looking to see what Florida's doing. So at some point that might catch up with them. One more game for us really to talk about, and it's a big deal. It's a doozy. It's the primetime matchup on Saturday, number three Clemson, traveling to take on Florida State. little revenge here for the Florida State Seminoles. Um, who have been you know, up and down. But for some reason, I feel like Florida State's going to pull this football game out. They came up with a solid defensive performance in their last time out. They've had the advantage of having a bye week leading up to this game. Plenty of time to get themselves prepared for the Clemson Tigers. And let's face it, Clemson has played uninspired football so far this season. The only time they've really gotten themselves together was in that game against Louisville. And, I, you know, I get it. I spoke about this in that, you know, you know, you get once you've climbed that mountaintop the season before, they got all the way to the championship game, you get a little bit bored with the regular season games. So this could be a game where they could get themselves up to play on a high level. But, when you've had so many times this season where you just didn't do that. Maybe you don't get yourself up high enough. For some reason, I'm feeling Florida State. I've been feeling Florida State all week. I just looked at the escape backs that, te- that Clemson has done this year from the opening game against Auburn. And we, granted, didn't know that Auburn would have the team they, 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 they do have. But, you know, the next week against Troy, almost losing there. Um, you mentioned the Louisville game, which was just a great game and came down to the last, you know, defensive stand at the end of the game. They escaped NC State because they have a kid who probably shouldn't be on scholarship kicking field goals. He missed three of them that day for NC State, or they already got a loss. I I think they've escaped so many times that this is just – they're not going to escape tomorrow night. I I just have a feeling Florida State seems to have corrected some of those defensive issues we've talked about. Um, The defense isn't nearly as bad as it was early in the year. Maybe it was a communication thing. I don't know. But it just seems they they fixed it. I have a feeling Florida State's going to get this win tomorrow night. Yeah, just a little feeling that I get. Just that gut feeling that I have. Uh, just to know Clemson is a four-and-a-half-point favorite uh, in Doe Campbell. So that's a little extra added motivation for Florida State in this contest, who, again, has had two weeks to prepare for this contest. All right, we're not uh, giving our picks now. We do it all together at the end. Um, we're going to combine the uh, NFL and college football picks. So this is time for us to take a break. When we get back, NFL football is on deck for us. We're going to you know, talk about some of the more interesting games of the uh, of the slate this weekend. We'll also give you our picks. We'll try and do a little real. Well, you know what, Angle? We do need to recap before we jump in. Hold, hold the mustard on that break. We need to recap 
what we did last week with our college football picks. Um, and you want to recap? You want to, You really want to do that right now, huh? Yeah, we're gonna do it right now, my friend. Okay, we... let's well, let's recap our picks. You want me to go first, or would you like to go first? So you go first, and I'll go. Okay, you, that's probably because you did better than me. Um, I started off last week with uh, TCU plus six points. I think most of us know how that worked out for me. wasn't one wasn't one of my my my, my proud moments there. Uh, TCU has really disappointed me this year. I felt like this was going to be a much better team uh, than the way the season's gone from them. And, you know, the defense is not what I've been used to seeing at TCU under Patterson. So that was a loss. And my other loss in college, you know, I went with Stanford minus one and a half. And, you know, kudos to Colorado. What a year they're putting together. Six and two, only losses to two uh, Blue Bloods, Michigan and USC. Uh, they go up to Stanford and win a game, and their pitcher got hit a little bit early, but they got a grand slam late, and they won the game 10-5. Okay. Oh, wait, wait. We're talking about football. I thought I was recapping Pac-12 baseball. Yeah. necessary for these Colorado Buffaloes right Hey, listen, Colorado's got – defensively, you look at the NCAA statistics, they've got a top-20 defense. They're playing defense out there. Good for them because I like to see that. Not good for me last week. I took a loss with Stanford. My only win – um, Arizona State's uh, one of those teams. When you play them on the road, they usually won't show up against a decent club. But when they're home, they're they're going to fight. And, you know, they got a late punt return in the middle of the fourth quarter, and they were losing this game by about 14. They ended up doing what Arizona State does at home is they nail biters. And Washington State beat them 37-32. I caught seven. Sun Devils covers, so I was 1-2 and two on the week. Uh, dropping my college mark to nine fourteen with a push. Oh, oh, that's just painful to say. Yeah, you need to go on a run there, Calamina. You really do need to go on a run. All right, talking about what I did last week in college football, I'll start off with the loss that I have. I wasn't even close. Did not expect this from Arkansas. Did not expect this from Auburn. Um, it, this was a complete whitewashing. You know, if you're going to lose a game, lose it like this, 56-3. Don't have to worry yeah. about it. No nail-biter. It was done before it started, and uh, Arkansas got completely run off of the turf there against Auburn. Don't know what uh, that was all about. We'll have to examine that. Wisconsin taking on Iowa. Some tense moments from, uh, you know, a point spread perspective in this contest. Uh, But at the end of the day, Wisconsin, I think, ended up at three and a half. Um, ended up getting the win 17-9 over Iowa. Wisconsin playing good ball. Iowa just up and down. Um, couldn't muster anything offensively for them, which is kind of part of the course for the Hawkeyes. Um, so I get a win with that one. And then West Virginia, you and I went head-to-head on that one. I noticed, Emil, that the Mountaineers have uh, been one of the lone guys to raise their hand in this conference and say, hey, you know, we'll play some defense. You know, well, how about it? We'll, we'll actually recruit a couple of guys that – play defense and not just bring them over and throw them on offense. So West Virginia, I feel, is like uh, the USC when they came and when Pete Carroll started playing a little defense over there. They can continue yes. to join. Yeah, West Virginia could make some serious noise in this conference. So um, they, they were good enough to – they were kind enough to play some defense for me uh, on Saturday and get me a win. So I ended up going 2-1. and one. I, What's my overall – I don't have it in front of me. So what's my overall record right now in college football? 13 wins, 11 losses. You're over 500. Good job. Amen. 
for that one. 13 and 11. We'll take a break. NFL, when we get back here on the Great Armstead Show. fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoff. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over 600000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! Are you a property owner or want to be one, but you don't have time for property management? Then get an MVP on your team. Who has time for the letting process, for arranging inventories and organizing pre-tenancy cleaning, dealing with deposit negotiation and negotiating with service suppliers and maintenance? No one's got time for that. MVP does though. Get this MVP on your team. You can rely on MVP property management to offer you an extreme amount of quality and professional services for your money. And because they know that everyone is different, they pride themselves in providing a professionalized service to each and every one of their clients. So how do you get this MVP on your team? It's simple. Pick up the phone and call right now. 844-696-8722. That's 844-MYMVPCC. Or send an email to info at mymvp.cc. Get this MVP on your team and start winning today. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We've got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen. Football Friday edition, Chad Wilson, 
Emil Calamino now shifting the focus from college football to NFL football. And just a quick recap of uh, things that went down last week. Let's just jump into that. Let's talk about the picks that we had last week, and then we'll talk a little bit about the games and kind of move around on this NFL scene that we have here, Emil. I guess I'll go. I'll go first, as I usually do in the NFL. Last week, uh, I had one loss on my entire on, on my three picks here. I mean, I really thought Emil Pittsburgh was gonna hang close. I did too. I, well, they, they didn't you know, really they get killed, but blew it for me in the end. Yeah. They they made some they made some curious choices in that game, including when they were down twenty seven sixteen early in the fourth, trying a fifty four yard field goal rather than going for it on fourth and five. It was just some odd coaching decisions by Coach Tomlin uh, last week. Yeah, you know, um, don't they know about field goals in that stadium? They don't do that. But nevertheless, man, they just didn't hang. I'm very disappointed in the Pittsburgh Steelers. I knew, you know, Roethlisberger was out. And, of course, I got points for my trouble. These guys come up short on me. I'm very disappointed. I really wanted and needed a three and oh day, but didn't get it. Oakland, though, they were no slouch for me. They got the job done. Hey, look, look out for these Raiders, Abel Calamino. Watch out for them Oakland Raiders. Um, but, I mean, it was the Jaguars, so. <laughs> well, they're fun to – listen, the Raiders are at that stage now where they're young and they've got some pieces and they're fun to watch. But um, it's going to be hard for me to really, as the season progresses – take them seriously until they at least try to put up some sort of uh, resistance on defense. And unless they're playing a Jacksonville, most weeks where they play a team with a competent offense, uh, they put up no resistance. Yeah, well, um, they, they put up all the resistance I needed in that game, winning it 33-16. to 16. So, you know, I'll definitely take that uh, from, from these guys. So, um, we'll, we'll, go that, we'll go that route with it. Uh, Oakland Raiders – Help me out, get the win there for me. And then, hey, the Indianapolis Colts. How about them Colts? They get a win over the Titans there for me. So we'll uh, we'll we'll take it. I'll take that victory in this contest. Chad, you put up a two and one at, in the NFL. You're sitting here, you know, relatively early in the season, 500, 10 wins, 10 losses, with it. a tie, and uh, that's not bad, really. You you know, you're off to a decent start now as you you learn these teams. Like last year, you got off to a slow start, like me. And, you know, you're kind of behind the eight ball. But you're doing well here overall. You're 23 and 21. you got a push there at the end on uh, hanging off the edge there. So you're doing pretty good overall. Um, me, I had a kiss my sister day, as they say, in the NFL last week. I started off, and I took my crappy pick to London. And I took uh, the Los Angeles Rams getting three against the Giants. The Rams jump out to a 10 nothing lead. Uh, Case Keenum seeing eye dog goes into the locker room, and all of a sudden – interceptions start to fly and uh, he throws one that gets returned by Landon Collins I believe it was for a, a pick six games tied Giants hang on uh, eventually win the game 17-13 or was it 17-10 I forget regardless I didn't cover it was a loss okay next game was one I really felt angry I took a tie I had the Chiefs minus six against the Saints Chiefs had control of this game in the third late third early fourth they were up 10 Breeze went down got the touchdown Chiefs kick a field goal. I guess I should be happy I got the push. Uh, that was a tie for me. And then my lone winner last week required some Houdini act by uh, Matt Stafford, who seems to be 
figuring it all out. The Lions had a 10-point lead for much of this game, 13-3. to They squandered it, as the Lions often do in the fourth quarter, only to have Stafford drive the team in about 40 seconds uh, right down the field at the end of the game to score a touchdown on a beautiful pass with, uh, I think, about 8, 10 seconds left in the game. Lions win 20-17. to I'm laying only one at home, and I get a win there. So I go 1-1-1 one, one, and one on the week in the NFL. Uh, my NFL marks hits at 8-12-1, and, and overall, I've got some work to catch you, buddy. I'm 17 wins, 26 losses with a couple pushes. Yeah, need to get hot. You know, is this one of those things where, you know, it doesn't matter until um, after Thanksgiving? <laughs> well, yeah, we'll see. I'm not going to use that excuse. I mean, I'm, I'm planning to get hot this week. I think, uh, you know, I'm starting to get a feel. I don't know about you. I, f- I feel, especially in the NFL, I'm starting to get more of a feel for what some of these teams are all about. And in the NFL, it's kind of like every year you're left with that, uh, you know, figuring out what are these teams all about. Yeah, well, let's let's slide over to uh, the fan. Let's hit the fantasy football focus, sponsored by FanDuel.com. Um, we, we did have a contest last week, if you could call it that. Once again, Emil, I take a loss. I have not been able to get it together. This is one of those things where I've got to get hot in fantasy because you know what? I had a number of guys that I, you know, was thinking about last week in fantasy. I just happened to pick all the boogers for our little contest. And so talking about what I did, my highest score, highest score last week was Joe Flacco, who didn't have that much of a great day. Ends up with only 7.52 points according to the FanDuel scoring. Um, That was my biggest guy. How about my pick on Matt Jones running back for the Washington Redskins? All he did was provide me with .7, not 7. Point seven. Point, points point seven. Yeah, point seven. Um, you know, really a disgusting performance. In a game where, you know, he probably should have gotten more done. But 10 carries to 27 yards is never going to um, do anything for you in a fantasy football contest. And I didn't, I, you know, I went with his, his teammate because I thought, you know, Pierre Garçon, for some reason, will uh, do something for me. Two catches, 22 yards, 3.2 points. I ended up with a total of 11.42 points. Um, so not much going on for me there. So you whipped me up again. You want me to talk about what you did or you want to jump on? Up? Yes. Take us through quickly my pick so we can, so we can lay into this week's. Yeah. Quarterback Cody Kessler didn't do much for you. Only nine of 11, um, did get himself banged up in this contest. We were on a decent way. Nine of 11, 82 you know, yards. Then they brought in Hogan and he promptly threw two interceptions, did a Cleveland type thing. So only 3.1 points there. You continue, though, Emil, to bank on this uh, wear kid from Kansas City. I mean, he's been your crown jewel. Um, you ride him again, 20 points he provided for you. That really was a knockout blow for me there. But just to talk about his stat line real quick, um, he comes up from Spencer Ware, 17 carries, 77 yards, and then, you know, caught some balls out in the backfield, a big one, two catches, 54 yards. That's where he got his touchdown. Really where you, that's really where you won the game because you didn't – do a whole bunch with the other guys. Stephon Biggs um, only comes up with seven points. You end up total twenty-four points. So you beat me twenty-four to eleven. Wait, how many points does Stephon? How many points does Stephon Diggs have? Uh, one point. My bad. One point he had. So. Okay. That's what uh, I thought. One for Tesla. One for Diggs. Not a great day, but the Spencer Ware pick. Um, you put a saddle on that guy, and you're riding. Congrats to you on that. Let's slide over to what we're going to do this week. And again, just a 
Talk about our sponsor right here, FanDuel.com. If you, if you look, I know you do this season-long fantasy sports thing. I mean, the good camaraderie with friends. You got a league. That's all great. But you need to also play some daily fantasy because you don't have to worry about the injuries. You know, Adrian Peterson goes down, doesn't kill your season. Roethlisberger is missing a few weeks, doesn't kill your season. Um, fantasy football at FanDuel.com, daily fantasy, in every, every week is a new game. So you just pick from what's available. If you're a beginner, there are beginner contests. You don't have to go in there against the Wizards. Um, and then you can create your own leagues and bring your friends in and involved. So head over to FanDuel.com right now. Use the promo code Gridiron says and get yourself a nice bonus. Get started on the Daily Fantasy. So let's talk about this week. Who's going first? Me or you, my friend? I will go first. And, you know, here's how we do this. Chad and I try. We've set an artificial limit. We give you a quarterback, a running back, a wide receiver. Why? Because that's fun. Uh, we've limited it to $21,000 for our roster for those three players. So, of course, we can't just go and pick, you know, Aaron Rodgers every week and eat up our salary cap and end up with me playing wide receiver for you. So, with that said, so you understand how we do this, uh, I'm going to start off trying to not spend a ton on my quarterback, but I see a guy out there that I think might have a big day, and that's our friend, former Heisman Trophy winner, Jameis Winston of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're home this week. Uh, the Raiders are coming clear across the country for a 1 o'clock game, usually not friendly to teams from that West Coast time zone. Uh, the body clock gets off. The Raiders need everything they can muster defensively with their body clocks. They don't seem to play it very often, and I expect uh, James Jameis Winston to really tear the Raiders up in Tampa, uh, especially with the, a little bit of hopefully Florida heat that they're not used to either this time of year in California. So I'm going to go with Winston as my quarterback. Now, all right, like to, I'm, running, I'm running down the uh, I'm running down the number on Jameis Winston. Um, Jameis Winston at FanDuel is going to cost you 7.4k, 7,400. Okay. Now for running back, hey, listen, I'm a loyalist. You know, if, if I like chocolate peanut butter ice cream, it's good to me. I get it every time I go to this place around here in the summertime. Chocolate peanut butter ice cream. Spencer Ware has been good to me. Okay. The, the man can catch it. He can run it. He's not going to get a ton of carries. He's probably going to get 10 or 12 carries, but they're going to throw him the ball five or six times. He seems to have a nose for the end zone. Alex Smith is the king of the check down, and there's nobody better to check down to in the NFL than your running back if he can catch it. I'm going to take Spencer Ware because the Colts struggle defensively, and you know I have a feeling this game might turn into – uh, a little bit of a track meet because I expect the Colts to put up some points. So I'll take Ware. I like what he's been doing for me, and I'm not going to change yes, it now. Yes, listen, giddy up. Put a saddle on that guy and ride him. But, you know, every week he does well for you. It gets more and more expensive to get this guy. He's 7400 like Winston um, this week. Okay. So. And here's where I save some money for you. You know, there's something that every once in a while with receivers, you got to look and think outside the box. Where can I get some value? And – this week, I'm going to go to my team's receiver, but not the guy you think I'm going to say because I'd be over the salary cap. No, no, no. I'm going with Cole Beasley, who's quietly become a guy that really seems to catch Dak Prescott's attention during games. And I think with Brian coming back this week and the way he's eviscerated, now go to your thesaurus or your Google and look up that word. Yeah, yeah, he's eviscerated the Philadelphia Eagles over the years. I think he'll get a lot of the Eagles' attention in this game. He hasn't played the last few weeks. And as he gets attention, I think it'll leave a lot of those underneath routes 
where Beasley just gets a guy on his hip and gets in front of him, catches it, and goes for 15, 20 yards, especially in the red zone. I'm going to use Cole Beasley this week. He's not going to cost you a ton of money, and I think he could have a pretty nice day against the Eagles. Yeah, uh, like like your logic there, like your logic, um, is, you know, with Beasley. Here's what I'm going to do. Um, quarterback, I'm going to spend the money. This this guy's on fire. He's, he's extremely motivated. He's pissed off. He's all that. I'm going to spend the money and get myself a guy named Tom Brady this week. Eight T700. It's going to cost me um, at FanDuel this week. So I got to do you know, some creative things along the way. Now for the other two guys. Uh, Denver. Denver has some injury problems at their running back position. Um, C.J. Anderson's gone. He's not going to be around. He's not going to be available for them. And, you know, they're just they're banged up there. That makes Devontae Booker out of Utah the guy for them. So um, I like that. I like when the guy comes out of the woodwork. The other team doesn't really have much of a book on him. This is my kind of guy. San Diego's defense not very good when it comes to um, you know stopping a run and things of that nature. I think Denver doesn't really want Phillip Rivers and the boys on the field too much. I think they're going to, you know, cash in on uh, Devontae Booker and people not really knowing much about him. So I think he can come out of the woodworks. Only 5,600 for Devontae Booker at FanDuel.com. And then Edelman, I'm going to – I like the couple of – you know, I like to pair them up. I like to stack quarterbacks with wide receivers. Uh, everyone saw Gronkowski doing his thing. You know you got to get on Gronk. So I think, the, you know, they might limit him a little bit as much as you can limit Gronkowski. So when he's limited, Brady's got to go somewhere else. Why, why not a guy named Edelman? I think this could be a game for him. Maybe he can come out and get some points here for you. It's only 6,500 for Julian Edelman. I'm going to go with him in this one. So Brady, Booker, Edelman, that's where I'm at. Let's, let's, uh, let's stride into the pick. Do we really need a preview games? Do we need to do that, Emil? No, let's roll through the NFL picks. I'm sure we're going to hit a lot of the games. If we miss one or two of the key ones, we can talk about it, and then we'll roll out our college picks before I head out of here and let you start talking well, about high school and college here's, football. Here's we're going to roll out both of our picks. All right, so I'm going to start the music. You're going NFL and college or college and NFL, but you're rolling out all six picks right now. Fair enough? Fair enough. There it is. Here we go. You're up. I like to start in order, so we'll, we'll go to college, you know, and I know that, you know, Chad's become, Chad adopts teams. He's become a closet West Virginia Mountaineer fan. Uh, but this week, I think this is a tall task. Oklahoma State plays very well at home. I understand what West Virginia's been doing defensively. They've been doing that at home. This is on the road, tough venue. Oklahoma State's catching three and a half points as a home underdog. With a, You know, they have a capable quarterback. They have a good coach. I'll take Oklahoma State at home plus three and a half. Uh, next, a team whose season kind of went sideways on them. They lose two out of the last three weeks, and that's everybody's darling, the Houston Cougars. Uh, they find themselves at home this week against a decent Central Florida team, but I have a feeling Houston's going to be in a foul mood. Um, they're a well-coached team. They have talent there. We've seen them beat Oklahoma. I think that you get Houston's best effort this week. Uh, they're giving nine and a half as far as I can find. That's the line I got. I think they're going to blow out Central Florida at home and get back on into their winning ways. And then finally, my last college pick, another team that's really run into some difficult scheduling, uh, North Carolina State. You know, they, they lost that heartbreaker against Clemson on the missed field goals, essentially, and then Louisville just drilled them. And I think this is a pretty good NC State team. Boston College rolls in there. Uh, Boston College struggles offensively in it. You know, on the road, that's you know, it's just asking a lot. NC State's actually a pretty good defensive club as well. They're giving 16 points at home. I think we find the Wolf Pack in uh, Blowout City here. Big win over Boston College. 
Now let's roll over to the NFL. I'm going back to London. I'm, I'm, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I should visit the place. But I've just, uh, I look at the Bengals and the, the Redskins, and to me, I see two different teams. The Redskins, despite being four and three, are a team that struggles on the road away from home. They're pretty good at home, but uh, the Bengals have a better roster. They're three and four. That division's wide open right now. Pittsburgh leads them by a game. They need this game. They're given three. I think the Bengals get it done against the Redskins. Um, next one, I'm going to go out on a limb and swallow hard, but you know what? I watched that game Sunday night. Seattle's got issues up front, and as good as that defense is, that was a slugfest. They defended well over 80 plays in that game. I think they're a little bit worn out. They go and play the Saints in the one place the Saints play well, which is home. The Saints are usually a tough out at home. Um, I think Seattle comes in a little winded. I'm going to take the Saints plus three at home uh, to get the outright against the Seahawks. I think we're going to see an upset there. And then finally, I uncovered a stat for you folks. When a team is an underdog on the road in a division game over the last 10 years, playing a team on short rest, they are 72-46 and before last night. Jacksonville was a team that fit that. They were so 72-47. and That's still well over 61% for 10 years. The other team that fits this is a team I like anyway. They're playing good football. I like the San Diego Chargers. They're getting four and a half. I know they already beat Denver. Most people will jump at the revenge angle. I think uh, Denver is laying too many points in this game. San Diego always plays them tough. I'll grab the four and a half with the Chargers. All right, sounds good. Let me tell you what I'm doing this uh, weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Let's start on Saturday in college football. You know, I heard what you said about the uh, Auburn-Ole Miss matchup, and you know what? Ole Miss is having trouble running the football. I watched that game against LSU, and there's just no way to be found on several of those runs by Fournette. That's just not going to get it done. On an Auburn team, that has got it cranked all the way up right now. Emil, I wasn't expecting a bunch out of Auburn this year. I really thought that Gus Malzahn would be let go by the end of the season. That is not the case, so I can admit where I'm wrong. Auburn um, on fire right now, and this is just the wrong team for Ole Miss to be seen. So I'm going to take Auburn on the road as a four-point favorite in this contest against Ole Miss. Sliding down, that Nebraska uh, matchup with Wisconsin. Hey, Wisconsin off of a, a very tough, hard-fought win against Iowa. I think they might be a little bit of a, uh, exhausted. Yes, Nebraska has not played the best of the best in college football right now, but I think this line's a little excessive. A little bit of disrespect for Nebraska, who's quietly putting together a decent season. There's a chance for them to test their medal. Um, maybe Nebraska ends up losing this game because Wisconsin knows how to win some games at the end. I just think nine points is too many. I'll take Nebraska and those points. And then Missouri taking on Kentucky. Kentucky, a big hard-fought drag-out win last week against Mississippi State. When you got teams like Kentucky, they usually don't know how to come back after uh, such a game like that. So I think Kentucky a little too high off of their win last week um, against Mississippi State. We'll be able to get their act together when they take on a Missouri team who plays well, well at home and really needs some good things to happen. So I'm going to take Missouri as a four-and-a-half point favorite. Sliding over to the NFL. Dallas, I like the Cowboys this weekend. Emily, you know, maybe you can excuse me to some kind of a closet uh, Cowboys fan. But in this big matchup against the Eagles, I think there's a, just a little bit – I don't want to use this word. I think it's overused, but Carson Wentz might, there might be a little bit too much cheese on that piece, a little bit too much hype for Carson Wentz. The Cowboys just overall a better football team right now, uh, playing defense, not turning the ball over, great up front on the offensive line. They're at home. I think this is a game that the Cowboys played in Luke. So 
comfortably. One of these two quarterbacks have to come down to earth, and my vote is Carson Wentz if he comes back down. So I'm going to back the Cowboys. They're four and a half or four-point favorites in this contest, so I'm going to take them. I'm going to take the uh, Houston Texans in their contest against the Detroit Lions. Detroit benefiting off of three straight games at home. I mean, who can't benefit off of that? They did. Played the Eagles, the Rams, and the Redskins all at home. Now they got to go on the road. Little fat and giddy off of their three-game home win streak. Uh, I'm going to take the Texans in this contest. This Houston is one of those teams that needs some good things to happen. They're coming in off of an embarrassing loss against the Broncos. And then I'm with you, Amo, with San Diego. Wait, what's your line? Two and a half? Is that two and a half for that? Yes, I've got two and a half for the Houston Texans. I'm going to take them in that one. I'm going to get with you on this San Diego versus Denver for a lot of the reasons that you said Denver is banged up. Um, This Denver team has played over their head right now. Um, they've got the big win against the Texans on Monday night, so that just allows the odds maker to put a little extra cheese on this team. So I'm going to take the cheese, and I'm going to back the San Diego Chargers, who are playing some decent football right now. And you know, just uh, 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 you know, here or there, a move here or there, and um, they're a totally different football team. All of their losses this season have been by less than a touchdown. I like them in this contest. So there you have it, my college and my NFL picks, Abel. That's that's where we're at right now. We've wrapped it all up. I like them all, Chad. I like them all. I mean, I'm I a little hesitant on Nebraska, but I see your logic. So there you go. Uh, hey, my time. I gotta let you go. I gotta get. Gotta See, oh, you gotta let me go. Is that? Were you just telling me that I have to leave? Is that what you yeah, yelled at me? Yeah, you're out here, my friend. Your time's up here on the Football Friday edition of the Gridiron Fed Show. So, Emil's taking off. I gotta get Nick Delatore on here to talk about Gator football. The world's biggest cocktail party is heading our way, Emil. I gotta talk about that. Okay, well, you can't miss that. Everybody, have a good weekend. Enjoy your football. We'll hopefully catch you here on Monday. There you go. Emil Calamino is out. Uh, I'm going to take a really super quick break. And then Nick Delatore from GatorCountry.com is going to be on here with me to talk about Georgia versus Florida. We'll be right back right after this. It's the Good Iron Stud Show. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We've got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up. And let yourself be seen. matchup and what's the latest going on with the Florida Gators 
is none other than Nick Delatore from GatorCountry.com. Nick, how you doing this morning? Doing well, doing well. How are you? Doing well, doing well. All is good here on a football Friday. Gotta love the football Friday. We're speeding through the season, Nick. It's already week nine of the college football season. How'd that happen? I don't know. I was watching TV and the NFL players were talking about the season being halfway over. And I said, where did it go? Yeah, uh, absolutely crazy and amazing. Before we jump into the Gators, man, listen, Tennessee, has their, all their focus has been on the Florida Gators ever since, you know, breaking that nasty streak last month. Here we are, four or five weeks later, you're still talking about ducks pulling trucks and Florida going to lose to LSU, mm-hmm. Arkansas, this, that, and the third. They've got a game against South Carolina in which they're two touchdown favorites. Uh, are they in jeopardy of possibly slipping on a banana peel here in this contest? Uh, no, I, I don't think so. I, I, I think I pegged South Carolina at four and eight before the season, and uh, I think they're, they're right on pace for that. Is that right? All right, well, you know, we'll cast that aside. I, look, I watched South Carolina last week. Yes, they could, you know, I thought they'd be playing a little better defensively, but they had a little bit of a different look, Nick, offensively. And without enough tape on it, I'm telling you, them walking into South Carolina as a two-touchdown favorite, I think, is very, very dangerous, my friend. Um, but we'll have to see on that. Let's talk about the Gators, though, as they take on Georgia. Uh, you know, if you're into all that kind of stuff, people like to blow up quotes. Boy, don't I know that more than anyone else. Um, Sony Michelle kind of halfway guaranteed something uh, for the Georgia Bulldogs. Do you believe them? Can Georgia – uh, do what people don't expect them to do here. Gator's pretty heavy favorite. Um, I, I think what makes Georgia dangerous, one, it's a rivalry game. Um, so you kind of throw conventional wisdom or, you know, who's hot. You kind of throw that out the window. I think what makes Georgia dangerous is that they're, they're not really playing for anything other than the chance to ruin Florida's season. And, and sure. there were a couple of years, uh, there were a couple of years during, during the must champ, era where FSU was on top and Gator fans were saying, if we can just beat FSU, I, I know we're going to go to, you know, the Birmingham bowl, but if we can right. just ruin FSU season um, right now, it's really between, I can't believe I'm saying this, but Kentucky, because Kentucky still has to play Tennessee. They're, uh, they're actually second in the SEC right now, uh, Kentucky, Florida, Tennessee, and, and Georgia's kind of on the outside looking in uh, at, at two and three. So, I think that makes Georgia dangerous. It's more of playing to ruin your hated rival season uh, yeah. and really with nothing, nothing to lose. And Florida has everything to lose because I, I don't think Tennessee stumbles the rest of the way. So looking at Florida, I think you have to be perfect if you want to get back to Atlanta. Um, I would is, you know, certainly agree, although, you know, uh, I think that Vandy game at the end of the year for Tennessee will be a tough one uh, also. But, you know, don't underestimate. Vandy plays – Vandy plays everyone tough. They do. They do. Um, but we can't underestimate Tennessee's ability to pull um, something out of you know where. Uh, so, you know, I don't know how much we could rely on that. Just the Gators need to go ahead and do handle their business, and that starts with this game. What are the keys for the Gators winning this particular football game and, and uh, taking care of their end of the bar? The key in this game has really been who wins the rushing battle. Um, Georgia has almost a four-headed monster, if you include uh, Isaiah McKenzie, who, who runs the ball a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, Nick Chubb. Um, so, 
they have the stable, but I think Florida getting Joey Ivy back, you look after losing Joey Ivy in the first half against Tennessee, Florida's run defense started to look suspect. And, and I think Ivy doesn't get credit because he doesn't show up in the stats, but he's creating lanes for Jared Davis and for Alex Anzalone. Alex Anzalone, his timing on blitzes has been impeccable this year. But that goes to the guys in front that are, that are making that possible. So I think Florida's rush defense gets better with Jordan Sherritt and, and, uh, and Ivy coming back. I think Florida can stop Georgia's running game, and then you, do, you get into what happened uh, against Vanderbilt where now you have a freshman quarterback who Jim Ackwin called the future of the SEC, and he might not be wrong, uh, but you force him to throw 40 times. And he's, he's great, but he's still a freshman. And, and he's got a big arm, and he trusts his arm, kind of like a, a, a Brett Favre mentality where no, there's no pass that I won't try. I, I can squeeze it in there. So I think – Yeah, I, think I was going to say, stop I mean, the run. He, he's, got a, he's got a rifle. He can certainly wing that ball around. The only mm-hmm. – if you got a fear as a Florida fan, yes, he's a freshman. But you can kind of see that at some point the light – um, is going to turn on for him, and this kid's got a bright future. You're Florida fan. You don't want that to start this this chapter. I I've kind of backed off of it, but I had a weird feeling just the way that his recruitment um, kind of shook out towards the end, where he went to Florida, might have told some players, "Hey, I'm coming here." Stayed in Georgia. Uh, that whole fiasco. I kind of have a feeling that Jacob Eason's just going to twist that knife. It, it might be the opposite of Aaron Murray. Aaron Murray was great and had his worst games against Florida. I, I wouldn't be surprised. It would just like fit this surreal storyline of spurns Florida at the last minute and then have, plays his best game against Florida for three years. Um, but I wouldn't – if I created a quarterback in Madden, I wouldn't want to throw against Florida. Uh, <laughs> so this is not, this is not really the, the time to, uh, to have a breakout game. Uh, you know, with the way that Florida's been defending the pass. Yeah, I think a lot of people are also anxious to see Florida again play, um, you know, Georgia, not an upper echelon team this year, but just uh, Georgia's better than, you know, uh, outside of Tennessee, the rest of the teams that, you know, Florida's played this year. So people are anxious to see these kind of games now start coming up on Florida's schedule. Injury-wise, the health, I know you mentioned Joey Ivey and a couple other guys. Um, Health-wise, on both sides of the ball, how do the Gators look? Getting healthier. I think the the bye week helped. Um, Right now, I'd probably say the only player I think would be questionable uh, would be DeAndre Goolsby. And I'm not sure if he broke his finger or dislocated it. Uh, he came off the field against Missouri, and it looked like the trainers kind of just popped it back in, and he went back out on the field. But he's, it's not, it look, almost looks like he has a splint that's heavily taped, and, and he's not in the game to block. He's in the game to catch passes. Can you catch passes, uh, you know, with two fingers tied together? Um, Jared Davis. Yeah, that's a big think, loss, though, Amal. Um, I want to say that's Del Rio's comfort guy. Um, so, it I mean, is. That's, not an insignificant loss if he's not playing or he's not up to up the par. You'd like to think that Siante Lewis, who has a very similar skill set, would be able to fill in that void. It just hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, it, it is a big loss. That's that that is uh, El Rio's kind of check down his, his you know his his safety blanket. Uh, but Joey Ivy, he's playing with a, a gigantic club, but he's going to play. 
Um, Jordan Sherritt, he was back during the bye week practicing, coming back from a knee injury. He'll play. Uh, Brian Cox, uh, I think he broke his hand. I think uh, Coach Rumpf kind of let the cat out of the bag there. Jim McElwain uh, always jokes that he's not, you know, Doogie Hauser MD and doesn't know what the injury is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Cox is also going to play with a hard cast and a club over that. It's these guys, Joey Ivy, Brian Cox, and then Jared Davis, they're all seniors. This is their last chance to play Georgia. Uh, Jared Davis is a Georgia native who didn't get offered from Georgia. So him with his ankle injury, uh, I would not volunteer to step in front of Jared Davis and say, hey, you're not playing this week. Mm. Well, uh, that'd be a tough thing to say, but uh, you just have to see. I mean, that's a, that's a big part of your, your, uh, your defense. Missing. And, uh, this, and Florida, Florida actually yeah. just announced that Mark Thompson won't be making the trip. Yeah, I was just about to say that. I see this here. Mark mm-hmm. Thompson not going to make the trip. Um, Jordan Cronkite, what's the latest with him? Um, so we have limited availability to see practice, and he was not at practice on Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, it was after Missouri. He left the Missouri game, came back to the sideline, um, in street clothes, McElwain said it was an upper leg injury. I haven't seen him at practice, uh, and, and he hasn't been mentioned by McElwain uh, even in uh, an injury report. So, okay, I, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if he's not there Tuesday, Wednesday, well, that's pretty significant. You know, slim McElwain's, McElwain's policy is if you don't practice Wednesday, you're not going to play, and he was not out there for uh, the portion that we saw. So we're looking at Perrine and and uh, Scarlett. This is what a lot of people have been calling for, shorten that rotation. So we're going to mm-hmm. get to see a, a true one-two punch. Yeah, uh, fans might not be uh, taking this news too hard because people really have been clamoring for 25 and 22, give them the ball. Um, and Jordan Scarlett even admitted it's hard to get into a rhythm and to, and to you know see lanes as they're opening when you're – getting two carries and then you're out for two drives and then you get three carries on, you know, in the next quarter, it's, it's hard to get into a rhythm. I think both Scarlett and P Ryan are guys that kind of get into a flow and almost get stronger as the game goes. Um, they're both fine in pass blocking. It, it's, it's not really a situation where not having Mark Thompson, who's really been the goal line back. Um, I, I really don't think it hurts you that much because of how good Scarlett and P Ryan are both playing. Yeah, um, I, that's that's a part of this thing I'm really anxious to see. And you, and you did mention that you know winning the rushing battle is usually the key to the mm-hmm. you know Florida Georgia game. And I think being able to just rotate two backs is going to be you know really huge for Florida. Any chance here though, Nick? Last thing we'll talk about before we go is that um, that you know considering that Georgia's not the Georgia that they've been. They're sitting here at four and three. Any chance that the Gators might be looking past Georgia to a, a showdown on the road with Arkansas next week? Um, I don't think so. I've kind of said all along that Arkansas is a trap game because uh, because you have that Georgia game and Arkansas has a bye week. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to be cold. It's going to be cold in Arkansas. Um, so I think Arkansas is is the trap game and not Georgia. I think you're really – this, everyone gets excited about this game, the, the neutral site. Florida has eight kids from Jacksonville who grew up, uh, you know, going through all the festivities that they have planned out through the entire week, going to the game. This game means a lot to both schools. Jim McElwain's not letting 
uh, his team look past Georgia. Um, I, I would be concerned to see health-wise, especially if you're looking at Jared Davis. You know, uh, I was talking to somebody and saying, well, maybe you sit Davis against Georgia because then you have Arkansas and LSU coming up, and it's kind of like give him some time to rest. Don't want him to get him banged up there because Arkansas is going to pound the ball between the tackles, and Leonard Fournette's going to carry the ball 40 times or as many as it takes. Yeah, so you're going to need Mr. Davis to be as healthy as possible for those two middle drill contests. All right, well, I'll be there. You'll be there. We'll all be at the biggest cocktail party in the world, and uh, that's on Saturday at 3.30. CBS, check your local listing. Florida takes on Georgia in their annual class. Nick, thanks for coming on and talking about the big game with us. Appreciate it. World's largest outdoor cocktail party. No other name. That's it. Yes, there's been some other discussions, at least on my timeline. Uh, Let's cut the BS. We know what the name of this thing is. But, Nick, again, thank you, and uh, we'll talk again next week. Thanks, Chad. All right. Nick Delatore from GatorCountry.com. You want coverage on the Florida Gators, whether that is football or the basketball season that's right here upon us. Go check out GatorCountry.com. From the Gators, we're going to go to the Canes. The Canes trying to stop a three-game losing streak, and what better way to uh, get right than to go play the Golden Domers? Uh, I got a, I got my next guest on, Brian the Beast London, um, getting ready to talk to me about the Canes and Notre Dame matchup. Brian, I got to share this message, uh, this story with you and uh, all of the listeners. Uh, as you know, my older son Quincy, who is a Florida Gator, get your booze in now, Miami Hurricane. Yeah. Uh, going through the recruiting process, we went to a lot of schools, and I go on uh, an unofficial with Quincy to the Northern, to uh, South Bend, Indiana. And of course, you know, when you go do the visits with the kids, they go do the whole uh, take a tour of the facilities, and it usually ends with a trip to the locker room where they have your jersey laid out um, with the number that you wanted, and you take pictures in the jersey. So we're doing that whole thing. Um, and that in this particular trip was supposed to progress from we take the pictures of you in the Notre Dame jersey, and then you go out of the locker room out onto the field. So one of those staffers that were there with us, um, you know, in keeping with tradition and history at Notre Dame, told Quincy and, uh, you know, a couple of other guys that were there with him, touch the sign on your way out to the field. That's tradition when you come out of this locker room. So I'm on my way down the stairs to go out. He tells me, tells me to tap that sign. I stopped the whole line right there because there were people that were behind me. I said, hold on, my friend, I'm not touching that damn sign. It's enough for me to even be going out on this field from the home team's locker room. I'm not touching the damn sign. Well, of course, you know, um, not to upset things on a recruiting visit and just let it go. And it didn't matter if he did, but not tapping your damn sign, man. So I think you know what this week means. Old wounds don't close like that. They still cheated us. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. Phantom, uh, phantom fumble. Uh, still remember it. Uh, and uh, listen, uh, I was going through it last night, man. What a series this was in the 80s uh, and early 90s before uh, Notre Dame stopped playing Miami annually. And there's been a couple games since. The one in El Paso uh, before Al Golden took over and uh, the one in Soldier Field where Notre Dame crushed Miami. But this is going to be a different affair, Chad. This one's in South Bend, and uh, it's two teams that really need a win right now. So, uh, yeah, 
all of us that know about Miami and Notre Dame know about the rivalry and everything that's happened. Uh, talking to Randall Hill last night, we were talking about third and 43, all that stuff. But I yeah. think for the for these kids, uh, all they want to do is win because both teams need to win badly. Here's, a, that, here's what makes me nervous about this. Um, effectively, Notre Dame season's over. Uh, I think coming into the season, they had some college football playoff aspirations. Uh, I believe it. Uh, I predict them to be in the college football playoff. I uh, can't believe I just said that. But here they are sitting at 2-5, and five, so the playoffs are out. Um, a New Year's Day bowl game is out. I mean, a, a bowl game might really even be out for Notre Dame. So they could be – I don't know if you were listening to Nick Delatore talking about the Florida-Georgia game, and, like, Georgia really is just playing right now to upset people's season, and they could do that to Florida here. Is Notre Dame not in the same shoes? Nothing to play for. They could play carefree, flea flickers, uh, reverses, whatever. So just go totally nuts in this game. Does that concern you at all? Should should Kane fan be nervous about that? Yeah, I mean, I would be nervous anyways. I mean, re- regardless of what their motivating factor is, I mean, l- listen, I mean, Brian Kelly's, I mean, even though he got the quote-unquote vote of confidence from their athletic director, we know how that goes. I mean, that guy's fighting for his job. So these mm-hmm. kids, are they going to fight for their head coach or not? I mean, I'd be worried about that. Um, and, and if I'm Miami, I'm worried anyways because my offense has not looked good the last couple of weeks. Uh, I still insist, and I talked to a bunch of people this week that agree mm-hmm. with me that Brad Kai is not right physically. And, mm-hmm. you know, the defense got walloped against Virginia Tech, but at least they're getting these four guys back in Chad Thomas, Gerald Willis, Sheldrick Redwine, and Rashawn Jenkins. So that should yeah, help. You can't, you can't be out there against a Division One team with six freshmen on defense and, and hope to make a stop. And Notre Dame's defense is not good. They fired their defensive coordinator, but, Chad, their offensive – uh, their, their offensive game is pretty good, and their offensive line, regardless of how they performed at times, they're men. They're men on that offensive line, and you need, you're going to need your full defensive line healthy out there against this, uh, this Notre Dame offensive line uh, tomorrow. Yeah, the other thing that makes me a little nervous, too, is you are a young football team, and you haven't really had much by way of road games, the Appalachian State game, but that's Appalachian State, and you know, Georgia Tech was a team that's just not up to where they've been in the, in the past. And then the Virginia Tech game, you just talked about how that went. Now you're in South Bend. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I haven't checked the weather forecast, but it won't be sunny and balmy. But it won't be a Miami Saturday. Actually, I, I, I think it's going to warm up, actually, for Saturday. It might get into the 70s on Saturday. It's cold there now, but it might warm up. So the weather might go our way. But you talk about playing on the road, and uh, – Listen, at this point in the season, I mean, they played at Virginia Tech on a Thursday night. There's no tougher road environment other than maybe a Clemson or, you know, one of the SEC schools. I mean, listen, at this point, uh, the freshmen aren't freshmen, right? Uh, the, uh, the sophomores aren't sophomores. Like, these guys have been through it now. We're, uh, we're, more, we're about more than halfway through the season. Um, it's time to, to put away the excuses of, well, it's a tough road game. Uh, it, it's time to, to show up and play. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you got to stop this three-game losing streak. Um, you know how the fans are down here. You got to put an end to that. Um, losing a fourth game in a row, we're gonna have a serious attendance problem, I think, for that Pittsburgh game. And um, though Pitt lost last night, they're no slouch. Um, so you know, this this is a must-win situation right here. So tell me the reasons why Miami would win this game. 
Uh, the reasons why Miami would win is, one, uh, you get some guys back on defense. So you have a healthier defense um, that has been really aggressive, physically tough, tenacious under Manny Diaz. They're taking chances. They're coming after the quarterback. They're tackling for loss. So that's one. Two, uh, you hope that the extra few days they've had off has given Brad Kaya to – to kind of heal whatever is ailing him. And we don't know the university of Miami has gone back to uh, the days of, uh, we're not going to talk about injuries. Uh, we don't need an injury report this week. Cause we're not playing an ACC opponent. Uh, Brad, but, but Brad, Brad has the media pressed Mark Rick on, on Kaya's health. Have they really pushed the issue? Um, he just won't talk about it. He, he will not. Mark Rick made it abundantly clear on, uh, it might have been after the North Carolina game. It was, I think it was either after North Carolina or Virginia Tech. I was on the conference call the day after the game, and he literally just said, listen, you can ask me whatever you want. I am not addressing injuries other than putting out an injury a report that is uh, necessary due to ACC rules. But when we're not playing a full ACC team like Notre Dame, we don't have to put anything out, and I'm not telling you anything about injuries. So it's just not being discussed. I mean, we, they, the press have asked. He will not discuss it. He did not let Brad Kaya talk this week. He didn't let the running backs talk either. So uh, I don't know what this is all about, but um, I'm hoping that if you talk about a key to victory, that Brad Kaya is healthy and is able to to get the ball to his playmakers. And, uh, you know, along those lines, uh, conversely, those playmakers need to make plays. Like David Njoku can't trip over the 40-yard line. David Njoku can't drop the football. Like, guys need to catch the football and get that yak, the yards after catch, and help Brad Kaya out. If his shoulder's really hurting him, let him throw, you know, some hitches. Let him throw some short passes, but get up the field after the catch and help your quarterback out. And the third thing is, I mean, the offensive line just has to be better because they have to not only establish a run game, but they have to keep Brad Kaya from getting sacked eight times like he did against Virginia Tech. And some of that falls on Brad for not getting the ball sure. out. And some of that mm-hmm. got, falls on, you know, running backs that didn't make their blocks or receivers that ran the wrong route. But the bottom line is the offensive line's just got to be better for them to win. Yeah, uh, no doubt this taking some heat, um, and I'm with you. Some of that's on Kaya. got to get rid of the football. You know what I mean? Uh, sell one to the ground. Still out of bounds, but you don't need to be taking those hits. You got to take a page out of Tom uh, Brady's book. That's for sure. You just don't need to get yourself beat up out there. Well, uh, how do you feel about this rivalry being renewed? Albeit we're far away from where we were in 1989 and 88 and 87 when this thing was at its peak. But uh, how do you feel about this being renewed? How do you think the fans feel about it? Um, I feel. I mean, I, I I wish Miami and Notre Dame would play. You know, every other year. I mean, I wish Miami and Faro would play every other year. I like these big games. I love these huge rivalry games. This is what college football is all about. And if you're, I mean, if you're, uh, you know, Chad, you've been through it. Your son's going through it. I mean, if you're a player, uh, this is what you live for. This is why you play this game is to play in these big games on national TV in front of 100,000 people. I mean, this is what the sport's all about. The sport's not about Miami against, you know, Appalachian State. The sport's about Miami against Notre Dame, Miami against Florida State. You know, that it's about the big games. Yeah, this is great. I don't care what the records are. This is, this is two uh, nationally recognized brands, two of the most recognized brands in college football, 
playing in a great stadium uh, in front of what's going to be a raucous crowd in South Bend, and that's what college football is about, man. That's why we tune in every Saturday. Yeah, I understand that, you know, college football has changed. I understand the nature of college football now. I understand the economics and the finances involved in college football now. But I got to tell you, Brian, I really do miss the days of us being an independent and we can just name our schedule and put people on um, and play anyone. Uh, I really do miss those days. You're in the ACC now, so you got to play those kind of games that you got to play. And then now there's a problem because you've got these other ACC games and everyone's in a conference and you can't play this one or that one. I really do miss the independent days. Yeah, no doubt. No, yeah, I mean, you're right. You could you could uh, make your own schedule, make some great uh, geographically interesting matchups, and uh, go that way. But you know what? We'll take it. I mean, listen, the ACC, uh, you know what? I, I, I'm not going to complain about the ACC. Uh, obviously, we haven't done enough to get to the uh, conference championship game yet. So until that happens, then I can, then I can start talking about other things. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And we do need to get back on our feet with a win over Notre Dame. So definitely uh, everyone needs to tune into that and um, see the Canes get right. 3:30 on Saturday at South Bend. Catholics and the convicts are even doing that anymore. (laughs) No. I mean, although they, they came up with that 30 for 30, they're going to run after the Heisman ceremony about Catholics versus convicts, but it's it's done by Notre Dame people, so who can trust that? Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you know, we talked to, we talked to, we talked to Mel Bratton last night on uh, on our show, and uh, he, he was a little – he's still upset about those shirts. So, uh, no, I guess the, no, the alums feel it. I don't, I don't know, necessarily know that uh, that Brad Kaya and this bunch – has any idea about Catholics and the convicts, but we'll take it. No, no. So they might need to watch that 30 for 30, but Hey, it doesn't matter. A win over Notre Dame, a win over Notre Dame, you know, that's just the way that it goes. Well, listen, I really appreciate taking time out to come on and talk about this big matchup with us here on the Gridiron Station. That's right. And, uh, Hey, just for any of your listeners who want to, uh, go to a game watch party, I'll be at blue martini and brickle tomorrow. If you want to come watch the game with me, hang out with me. Got to go check that out, man. This guy's fun wherever he goes. and uh, You might want to follow him. He's a good follow on Twitter, too, at Miami Radio Beast. And check him out on 790 The Ticket. Go check your times there and go listen to my man, Brian the Beast London, talking Canes football here locally in, in uh, Miami. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, man. All right, no problem. Brian of East London talking Canes football here on the Gridiron Stud Show. We're going to take a quick break. It's high school football time. Joshua Wilson, Florida, hsfootball.com will be on here with me to talk about the matchups that went down last night, the playoff implications, and what's on tap for us here Friday night as we are talking some playoff football. It's right here upon us, right around the corner. Stay with us. We'll be right back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. yourself set up for the weekend. Well, the Gridiron Stud Show is the place to be. Tune in every Friday at 10 a.m. and get the best picks in college and NFL football from Chad Wilson and Emil Calamino. They'll break it down for you, give you a little analysis and a little intelligence. You can do that or you can do this and listen to this. Hey, call me now. I've got the tough plays for the entire weekend. Call me now on a recorded message that will give you free the Jets versus the Bills, the Lions versus the Cowboys, and the Eagles versus the Bucks. Call me now. I've got winners for you the entire weekend. Absolutely free. 1-800-238-I-WIN. 1-800-238-I-WIN. 
I've got all the inside info from all the casinos. They don't know if they get caught me free. I've got all the winners. Give them to me. I got them to you. You get them. You got them. I got them. We all got them. No need for that foolishness. Gridiron Stud Show every Friday, 10 a.m. Chad Wilson, Emil Calamino give you their top picks in college and NFL, and we win without all the foolishness. No spitting, no yelling. Top plays every week. Tune in every Friday, 10 a.m. Gridiron Stud Show, Blog Talk Radio, hosted by Chad Wilson and Emil Calamino. See you there. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoffs. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now!
I'm just trying to figure out what actually happened because, you know, Gables was a 17-point favorite, and that was a 14-7 game in favor of Columbus, and Columbus took the title. So that really, I think, you know, it just adds on to the the theory of this has been a wacky season for the entire state. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's what we think we know, we really don't know. And I think that's what's happened this year. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's everything we've expected it to be has not been. It's gone the other way around. Yeah, um, that certainly happened, no, no doubt about it. There's some, some wacky things that have happened there. So what, what, how, do, how do things shake out district-wise there? Well, uh, Columbus takes the district championship. That means Cole Gables now has to go on the road, you know, and that, you know, with being on the road, you know, you're, you're potentially going to be on the road for the first three rounds until you get that far in the playoff bracket, which means, you know, I mean, at this particular point, you – now you've got a date with North Miami Beach in round one with your, your Coral Gables, Columbus. You've, you've got a date with uh, with American in the first round. I, I think that for for, the, for that case, for Columbus, that's probably a, a, a winnable game against American. You know, Gables could beat North Miami Beach, but North, North Miami Beach is showing that they have improved this year. So that, I think, you know, that makes it very interesting. It's just who's going to emerge out of that in, in Region 4, especially in that top half of Region 4. You know, because we're still kind of waiting a couple of things to shake out in, in the bottom half of that Region Four bracket. But you know, hey, you got Southridge in the bracket already. You got Bullen Jesuit already in that. I mean, I, I think you know, it, it, it's question is who, who comes out of Region Four to go to the state semifinals this year. I think it's it, 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 it could be anyone at this point. That's how wide open I think it is. Yeah, well, we have a largely South Florida audience, Dave Broward County. When we're looking at Class A. Uh, 8A, in that upper half of this southern part of the district, is there any in the southern part of the region, is there anyone out of there that could pose some problems for the guys down south? I mean, I mean, I mean, if you're talking about looking at, you know, regions three and four, which is, you know, that, that entire South Florida thing, I, I think you, you're, the, 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 the team that you really want to keep an eye on is it's either it's either going to be Flanagan or, or Park Vista if you're looking at the northern half of the South Florida part. But if you're looking at 8A North just in, in general going into the first, in the in regions one and two, I, I still say it's wide open. But you, you got to keep your eye on the Popka if you're if you're if you're a South Florida team because hey that might be the team you might face up against in the playoffs. You might hey but then there's Doctor Phillips lurking around so you. you I think it's going to be fun for the South Florida teams to watch who kind of rolls around in the 8A North bracket because then you're going to be like, okay, who are we going to face when we get to Orlando? Well, our my guess is good as yours right now. It could be anybody. Yeah, uh, look, when we're talking about big games, um, hard to get one bigger than uh, the one that's going down tonight in Dade County. It's Carroll City versus Northwestern. Talk to us about the implications involved in that game for uh, both teams. Well, both teams are already clinched playoff first, which this is this makes the storyline for 16 6A16 even more interesting is that hey, what team did we not mention just yet? Miami Central. <laughs> Miami Central is not playoff qualified this year, which is which which it's it, it's strange because hey, we came into the season thinking, "Oh, hey, Miami Central's got a great shot of going and winning five straight state championships." Well, we didn't expect Carroll City to blow them out 35-7. We didn't expect Miami Northwestern to beat them in double overtime. 
you know, and, yeah, and, yeah. And, and the only and the only thing that could have helped Miami Central last week was Miami Northern pulling the upset on Miami Northwestern, and that wasn't even that wasn't even a competitive game if you look at it, if you look at the score. So that tells you a lot of things right there, just how how. You know, I think, you know, it, it's one of these seasons. It's, you know, you, you have for every so many normal seasons, you're going to have you're going to have an abnormal season. And this has definitely been an abnormal season in terms of, okay, the teams that are making the playoffs, you're seeing teams that are making the playoffs that haven't made the playoffs either in a while or, you know, a very long time this year, which that, in, in, in the case, you know, it, it, it speaks for the stuff that, you, you know, we have these cycles. And we're in. We're, we're we're just you know we're seeing some parity again this year, which I think we've seen a lot more parity, and we're going to see a lot of parity in the playoffs. Which, in, in that case, you know, hey, it's good for the fans. The fans are going to show up and watch some games, you know, because hey, it's not you know, hey, my team might have a chance to win the state championship now, you know. But you know, I, mean, I think I think in a lot of cases, you, can, you know, like a team like Mainland and Six Age, like oh great, we don't have to worry about Miami Central now. Well, wait a second, hold up. You got to still worry about Northwestern Carroll City because they could still be sure. There. I mean, if Central, as good as you thought they were, ended up getting knocked out somehow, you better worry about the people that knocked them out of there. Yeah, you got to worry about the people that knocked them out of there. But then the teams in the north are like, "Well, hey, nobody be Central. Maybe we have a chance to win." Well, wait a second. You better be facing one of those three teams, and I just mentioned from the south, so you got to hold up. You know, it's it's not just easy breezy here. It's it's you know it's it, it makes things very interesting. It makes going to bring a lot of talk to the playoffs, and I think it brings a lot of talk in the sense that, hey, okay, this is the last year we know it as the playoff brackets like this, whereas where we get ready to transition into the new system next year, you know, hey, I think the kids, a lot of people maybe some more excitement to realize, hey, just imagine if this was seeded. Imagine the yeah. matchups that we would have seeded, you know, to think, to think that maybe like a Miami Carroll City or a Miami Northwestern playing mainland in the first round, I still have to bring that up because it, it, that's potentially possible. It's, it's funny, Josh, that, you know, this whole, you know, ranking seeded thing is going to come into play next year, but this year would have been a great time to have that. Oh yeah, it would have been a great time, and I think I think I think now we would just you know it's you know if we would said you know it, but but I think at the same time it kind of it kind of feeds the fuel for the for the excitement to go into it next year a little bit more, realizing hey you know this is what we could have had this year, but we know what the we potentially will get it next year because you know there's you know it's well, well you know for for any team just because you're the third place team does not mean you're out of the playoffs. Like, you know, for Miami Central, in Miami Central's case, they would not be out of the playoffs this year in this case. You know, 6-2, and two, they had the eight games minimum required by the FHA to make the playoffs. They would have probably been in as a, as a – hey, How about this, though? Um, you know, under this scenario, yeah, Central would be making the playoffs. But then would we have had the drama that we've had for the last two weeks? Um, with this playoff seating. Well, I mean, we lose that in this whole scenario if they're going to be in anyway. What do you say? What do you say about that? It's 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 just one of those it, it's it's one of those things, and it's just it's 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 crazy to think you know and all and all the whole situation with this. To be honest with you, it, it's just. It's a, it's a crazy scenario to think that you know, yeah, you got Miami Central that's not in the playoffs, but you know they know if you're in the system that there could be the playoffs. That's just it. it. It's it's hard for it's hard to come up with some words on certain things with some of this because some of the stuff I've seen this year, it's been hard to develop words around it. 
because it's just it, it you you. You, you you think you know something, but you really don't. And I, and, I, and this is you know what makes it in the end. It, 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 this is why they play the games on the field. This is what makes high school football that much more exciting when they do yeah. this. Yeah, and, yeah, and, no, they, no. and they I mean, throw all the things so much. It's the best reality 